0: M S W Media. with swearing. the beans, till the beans, till the beans, the
1: beans.
0: Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, November 19th, 2020. Today, CNN publishes a piece insinuating Emily Murphy of the GSA is a victim. She is not. The FBI is investigating the Republican Texas Attorney General. Michigan's largest county certifies election results after the canvassing board Republicans initially voted against it. Biden is vetting Rep. Deb Holland for Secretary of the Interior. Giuliani's law license could be in jeopardy. Nancy Pelosi secures a nomination for Speaker of the House. The Trump campaign pays for a partial recount in Wisconsin. Trump's conspiracy theories lose him Georgia. And the House Judiciary files to recalendar the Mueller grand jury materials case with the Supreme Court. I'm your host AG. And I'm Dana Goldberg. How are things? What's good? How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I love how that's tripping you up now. Um, I <laughs> I don't even know how to I don't even know how to yeah how, how things are going anymore.
2: And I know people have opinions about this, but I have done this the right way. I am officially quarantined for 2 weeks. I have taken a test and I'm driving to see my 70, <laughs> she'll kill me. Uh, your old mother um just so i can hug her it's been a year and that's what i'm doing so i feel i feel i feel excited i'm gonna actually see my mom for the first time in a year and i did it the right way so i know some people are like you can't leave your house but i'm i'm not flying i've quarantined we've tested i'm gonna go hug her
0: where does uh where she live albuquerque okay yeah mine's over in phoenix um oh, okay yeah Yeah. i wonder if i can just quarantine because i trust me right exactly know. It's whether, yeah, it's like if you have to fly or something, but if you're just driving. Yeah. Yeah. And
2: I Yeah. So uh, she was really hesitant at first um, until I told her, look, I'm going to quarantine for two weeks and then I'll, I'll even get tested if you, if you feel that at that point, there's no need. Um, but really there's less need, I should say, because I know that I'm healthy and I haven't been around anyone, but I'm doing it. I got all my ducks in a row. I'm going to go hug my mom. <laughs> go hug
0: my, hug my mom, 2020. That's the, that's it. That That's the title. I like it. Well, you let us know how it goes. And um, total quarantine is tough, though, right? Because you can't get any delivery stuff. You have to, like, lock down, freeze your food. And, like, it's, like, pretty strict.
2: It's 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 also very strange. Like, if there's anyone out there that's been going through this pandemic alone, um, literally alone in their house quarantining you, my heart goes out to you. This only been two weeks, and I miss physical contact. Like, just people in general, you know, it's strange not mm-hmm. seeing anyone. It's not the way I live. And it's not the way unfortunately, my personality thrives. So my, my thoughts are with you if you've been um, doing this quarantine solo.
0: Yeah. And then for those of us who do have families or somebody there with you, then you have to be with them 24 seconds. True. So it's, <laughs> it's like, I've, I've heard the bad and good of both sides, right? Like sometimes I sit here like, oh, this is terrible to be alone during this. And then other days I think, oh, my God, thank fucking God I'm right. alone during this. So yeah. it six and one half dozen because, you know, like most people, we, lo- we we crave that human contact. But then also we crave alone time. And yep. to, you can't really have both when you're quarantining. That's
2: true. It's uh, That's very true. My life is a balance and it's been a little out of wax since March. So this is nothing
0: different. Yeah. Well, I'm excited, and uh, I'm excited to hear how it goes. Thanks. We do have a lot of news to get to today. Um, I'm just trying to think if we have any other announcements. Later on in the show, I'll be talking to Harry Littman, former federal prosecutor. I think he was also the former associate assistant deputy attorney general of the United States, and um, very good friend. He lives, he lives here in Southern California, but we, we, we spoke remotely, and we talked a little bit about Rudy Giuliani's law license, because everyone is like, how can he lie and, and, you know, submit himself pro hoc vice to the court, the federal court, saying that he's a lawyer in good standing when his dues lapsed and he wasn't anymore. Uh, but, you know, we're going to talk about whether judges let those things go and and how it's different if you're on the potential losing side, which he definitely is. So we'll, we'll see. Um, but that's a very interesting conversation. And then we've got some news from under the radar, too. But we do have a lot of stuff to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Awesome. Hot notes. Baby, All right. Lead story. Everyone knows about this one. Last night in Michigan. Uh, at first, it seemed like a win, uh, temporary, albeit, for President Trump and his supporters that the Wayne County Board of Canvassers deadlocked. Uh, over whether to certify the results of the presidential election in the very populous Democratic county, Wayne County. And that would punt the question to the state regulatory board on November 23rd, Monday. So there's four board members, two Democrats and two Republicans. Fucking stupid setup by design. Hello. Can we <laughs> maybe not do that anymore, <laughs> like uh, now that we're challenging norms? How
2: come it keeps tying? Why do you keep coming up against the tie? <laughs>
0: well it never has right they always always like unanimously cert unanimously certify yeah. everything and no one thought like hmm might be a bad idea to have four two democrats and two republicans um so that may change in the future i don't know we do have a a republican legislature in michigan but they split down the middle the two republicans refused to certify it, and everybody was like what the fuck and uh, people went off and of course in a tweet jenna ellis uh, Trump campaign lawyer extraordinaire, the one that she's the one who couldn't win an argument with Bill Maher, mm-hmm. called it a huge win for the president, and and he tweeted too, yay we won, and he still hasn't removed that tweet. But uh, hours later, the board, again comprised of two Republicans and two Democrats, reversed itself. Uh, actually, the two Republicans reversed themselves, and unanimously certified the results, and uh, asked the Secretary of State to conduct an independent audit. Now the about face left Democrats and voting rights advocates happy. But I still don't want these fuckers to be let off the hook for the absolute racist nature of their bullshit objections. Let's listen to a clip of one of those dissenting voices. Let's take take a listen.
1: We also know that the Secretary of State and the Attorney General have already uh, tweeted out that your legal arguments are rubbish and you're going to lose when it comes to court. So we're not worried about that. Uh, at all. I'm also not worried about any of your, oh, things are are bad, so we can't certify arguments because that's just ridiculous. You certified in August when they were worse, less than 50% of the ballots were recountable. Now over 72% are. Uh, 58% of them were even balanced when it was less than 30% last time. So it's doubled. It's gotten way better because the Secretary of State actually jumped in and did her job unlike you. But I know it's not going to change your opinion. Um, You talked about not certifying Detroit. Even though you acknowledge that Livonia, a city, by the way, I know, you know, is 95% white, had bigger variances than Detroit, which is 80% black. We understand. And you now added your name. So I'm not going to try to change your mind. I just want to let you know that the Trump stick, the stain of racism that you, William Hartman and Monica Palmer, have just covered yourself in is going to follow you throughout history. Your grandchildren are going to think of you like Bull Connor or George Wallace. Monica Palmer and William Hartman will forever be known in southeastern Michigan as two racists who did something so unprecedented that they disenfranchised hundreds of thousands of black voters in the city of Detroit because they were ordered to. Probably, I know Monica, you think Q told you to do it or some other crazy stuff like that. But just know when you try to sleep tonight, that millions of people around the world now on Twitter know the name Monica Palmer and William Hartman as two people completely racist and without an understanding of what integrity means or a shred of human decency. You, the law isn't on your side, history won't be on your side, your conscience will not be on your side, and Lord knows when you go to meet your maker, your soul is going to be very, very warm.
0: So he, here's this guy, and I am 100% on board with absolutely everything he says. You are, you guys are racists forever. Your grandchildren will remember you as painted and stained in this because it was just Wayne County, right? right. And then, but the other one they wanted to let go, which had worse uh, audit results, was a 95% white county, but they were concerned uh, about Wayne. So it was just ve- or a precinct, excuse me. So it was just very obvious what was going on here and so I'm I'm so glad that the outrage was so loud and fast and swift yes they just changed their minds
2: yeah it was beautiful however however
0: as as you know they they changed their minds but
2: Trump didn't take
0: down his tweet no we're all giving him shit today on, on social media for it too but um holy hell that was infuriating and uh, but the the swiftness and the and the, the outrage that works, right it works yeah, it really
2: does. Um, we got some I would say good news down in Texas. This is an interesting case. So you remember when we reported on the whistleblowers in Texas, the, uh, the attorney general's office accusing him of like bribery and just basic fuckery that was going on there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the FBI is investigating allegations that the Texas attorney general Ken Paxton broke the law in using his office to mm-hmm. benefit a wealthy donor, according to two people with knowledge of the probe. Shocking. Shocking. So oh. federal agents are basically looking into claims by the former members of Paxton staff that the high profile Republican committed bribery, abuse of office and other crimes to help Austin real estate developer Nate Paul. Then uh, that's basically what the associ- Associated Press put out. Um, so they're insisted. They insisted on anonymity uh, to discuss the investigation because it's ongoing. So we're going to keep you posted. But um Yeah.
0: nate paul sounds like the karen of real estate dudes um doesn't he yeah so interesting yeah any real estate developer that's just honestly money laundering central red flags um going up and this (laughs) i'm wondering if there's going to be any sort of rico or money laundering charges right now it's just bribery the fbi is on it now so this should be interesting um, and uh, here's some good news. The, the the Biden transition team is in the process of vetting Rep. Deb Holland. She's a Democrat from New Mexico for the Interior Secretary Post. This is according to sources who spoke to The Hill on Tuesday. Not my favorite publication, but this was vetted. Uh, the development came after Holland dropped out of a three-way leadership race for House Democratic Caucus vice chairwoman. If Holland is tapped by Biden, her nomination would be historic because she would be the first Native American cabinet secretary. Uh, And she would oversee an agency with vast responsibility over tribal issues, the Department of the Interior and public lands. In 2018, she became one of the first two Native American women elected to Congress alongside Sharice Davids from Kansas. So that is wonderful and incredible. (laughs) She's fabulous. They're both fabulous. I I love her. And also um, Speaker Nancy Pelosi secured her caucus's nomination for another term. Leading the House on Wednesday as Speaker of the House. Democrats kicked off their multi-day leadership elections for Congress. Uh, Pelosi ran unopposed and only needed a simple majority of the Democratic caucus to secure uh, by secret ballot. Um, she'll have to clinch 218 votes on the House floor in January to officially become Speaker. Um, and she has a much l- a, like narrower majority to work with this time around because we have lost about six seats. But that's not massive. Um, like, everyone's like, oh, my God, we lost our grip on the house. I'm like, look, it's a majority or it's not. Right. We, it's One seat is a majority. I mean. We flipped 42 fucking seats in 2018. Yeah. We lost six.
2: Okay. Yeah. Oh. There's there going to be some. Now, and I could be wrong. So maybe someone could write in and tell us. I think it's Hayland. I think Deb, uh, only because only from being from New Mexico, I think it's Deb Hayland. You think it's Holland? Oh, okay.
0: I apologize. No, no, no. That's uh, okay. I always pronounced, I always pronounced two a's as ah because of, I sp- spent time in Germany. I spoke German, and that's how you would do it. But well, that makes a lot of sense. That makes total sense. But I think it's Deb Haland, which doesn't change the story. But I was also wrong with you know Mueller when we first started the, the Mueller she wrote podcast. Oh, well, very no. <laughs> pronounced it as, as a German would as well. Yeah. So this could, you know, I fall into several traps with if it if it's Halend. I'll check that out, but. Whichever, yeah, I'm excited. She's amazing. She's absolutely amazing, and a first Native American
2: to be elected to Congress, and have her coming out of New Mexico brought me great joy. And Sharice David's, I mean, mm. this is just me as a lesbian. She is very, very nice to look at, and quite strong, quite strong, <laughs> and very- I love her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think she was a, yeah. I think um, either boxer or MMA. I think she might have been an MMA fighter for a little while, like. Yeah, she's just a badass. Mm -hmm. She's absolute badass. Um, We've got more news, more news coming out. And uh, you touched upon this uh, briefly um, before, but the Trump campaign said Wednesday that it's going to seek a limited recount of two Wisconsin counties. Um, Not surprising. We'll get to the racist (laughs) bullshit about this story. But the campaign needs to officially request this recount and pay up front, which we know Trump is just not good at, uh, by 5 p.m. Central on Wednesday. So... Basically, they need to have ponied this up already. Wisconsin election officials confirmed on Wednesday that they had received a partial payment of $3 million from the Trump campaign. So these officials said last week that the price tag for a statewide recount would be approximately $7.9 million. But Trump, oddly enough, once recounts in Milwaukee and Dane Counties. Now, Milwaukee being home to the largest black population in Wisconsin, and Dane County includes the state capital of Madison, home to many, many college-age voters at the University of Wisconsin. So, they'll have 13 days to recount, and they're going to have to certify those by December 1st. Um, Okay. Now, what the fuck this really feels like, though, with all of his fundraising, that, you know, when someone gives you a $20 bill and they're like, hey, can you pick up a six-pack? And you're like, sure. And then you come back and they're like, where's my change? And you're like, the six-pack cost $20. So Trump is basically yeah. going to pocket the rest of this fundraising and only get recounts in some very highly black or, coll-
0: or collegiate areas, which is such bullshit. Which makes... Okay. And here's what I don't fucking get, other than this is just racist garbage, because there's no way... If you even if you count if you counted all of Wisconsin with all of the rural areas with all the ballots that may have come in for Trump, uh, in in rural areas and in Republican strongholds, okay, makes sense. In fact, they're doing the Georgia recount, which is going to be certified tomorrow. Biden still won, but they found about two thousand votes for Trump that weren't counted due to clerical errors uh, by Republicans who are dumbasses. Not you know any fraud or anything like that. Just. Dumb clerical errors in Republican counties that you know voted for Trump. That's where you find votes for yourself. You don't go to fucking Milwaukee and say I need to retally this because. I bet I may have won in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Right. That is the dumbest shit, and it can only, absolutely only be motivated by just racism.
2: There's, It's rampant right now, and we're seeing it. I mean, we know it's there, but to have it come out during this election, and you know what? I'm glad. I hope it all comes to the, the surface so we can at least see what we're dealing with moving forward.
0: Yeah, he's just spending money saying, I don't trust Milwaukee and Dane, uh, Dane County. That's right. all he's saying, because he's not going to be able to flip those counties. No. That be the least...
2: <laughs> Not even close. And then in Georgia, Georgia, the Republican uh, Secretary of State down there actually said on Tuesday that it was Trump's attacks on the integrity of mail-in voting that contributed to his loss in Georgia. He shot himself in the foot. We, we've seen him do this all the time. Um, the Secretary of State said 24,000 people. Did not vote in the fall. Either they did not vote absentee because they were told by the president, don't vote absentee. It's not secure, um, said the Secretary of State, uh, Brad Raffensperger, as we know. Um, He said in an an interview on TV, which is an Atlanta area ABC affiliate, um, but then they did not come out and vote in person. So they didn't vote by mail, and they didn't vote in person. He would have won by 10,000 votes. He actually depressed and suppressed his own voting base. And we were talking about this on a a prior episode, that this is what he was doing. I mean, people are just going to get out and vote at
0: all. Well, that's why everybody was like, would you stop fucking around with, like, shitting all over mail-in ballots? Because we're going to lose. And he did. He This yeah. lost him, Georgia. Which is a beautiful thing. It's the best yeah. schadenfreude in the world. <laughs> Again, we didn't need Georgia to, to secure the election, but it put Biden at 306, which matches Trump's uh, schlacking, quote unquote, really like the 12th largest victory in history. But it it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible that it's his own bullshit lies. That cost him Georgia, which is wonderful.
2: I love to see it. I love to see it.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also something else that weird happened today. Weird happened today that just pisses me off. CNN penned this story, painting GSA Emily as yeah Emily Murphy as some sort of victim. Okay, so here's what the here's what the story says from CNN. As the only obstacle between President Biden and the formal start of the presidential transition, General Services Administrator Emily Murphy is struggling with the weight of the presidential election being dropped on her shoulders. I need some violin music in the background. Feeling... Like she's been put in a no-win situation, according to people familiar with the Kobayashi Maru. I actually added that last part. That's not true. <laughs> this was never a position that Murphy thought she would find herself in, the people said. Hand to the back of my forehead as I read this. But as the government official in charge of signing off on the election result, Donald Trump's refusal to concede the election has thrown Murphy into the middle of a political firestorm. It ain't so. Is that dramatic enough? facing mounting pressure from both sides, Uh, even death threats. That's not cool. The sources say Murphy is working to interpret vague agency guidelines and follow what she sees as precedent to wait to sign off on the election result, a process known as ascertainment that would allow the official presidential transition to begin. This is bullshit. All bullshit. The rules are clear. The rules are clear. Joe won. She needs to sign off on the transition and if she's being pressured if she's if she's stuck between a crematorium and a dildo shop and walls are closing in (laughs) she needs to fucking unclutch her pearls stand up off her fainting couch and blow the fucking whistle agreed you know resign yell say dude this guy's fucking blackmailing me remember when he forced me to not move the fbi headquarters so that he yep. could have a hotel he made me do that and now he's holding it over my head and just go talk to adam schiff he's right across the fucking street emily <laughs> sorry i'm bad. <laughs> emily
2: it's so funny how many um white girl names we can make into karen emily okay <laughs> <laughs> We do have good news. I'm going to give you a palate cleanser, EG. We've got good news. The drug maker Mm. Pfizer said on Wednesday that its coronavirus vaccine was now 95% effective and no serious side effects. So the first set of complete results from a late stage vaccine trial as COVID-19 cases skyrocket. They are skyrocketing across the globe, but very much in our country everybody very much. The data actually showed that the vaccine prevented mild to severe forms of COVID-19. It was 94% effective in older adults who are more vulnerable to the developing uh, severe COVID-19 and who do not respond strongly to some types of vaccines. So that's actually very impressive. Um, Pfizer, which developed the vaccine with its partner BioNTech, Uh, So the companies plan to apply to the Food and Drug Administration for emergency authorization within days of raising hopes that a working vaccine could soon become a reality. Now, so this trial included about 44,000 volunteers, half of whom received the vaccine. The other half, as we know, have these work, received a placebo shot of salt water. Then the researchers waited to see how many in each group developed COVID-19. So, out of 170 cases of uh, COVID, 162 were in the placebo group and eight were in the vaccine group. Out of 10 cases of severe COVID 19, nine had received the placebo. So that, I mean, mm-hmm. the scientific testing behind this sort of just blows blows me away. Um, I, I'm glad I'm not, uh, you know, I want to be one of those people, AG, A- that's like, I'll step up and you can try the vaccine on me. And I'm, I'm like that little Jew in the back that's like, I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait till I know that this is like foolproof <laughs> and I'm going
0: to see what happens to Jim over there. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. I, I'm am I'm definitely I step up for you know 2.0 3.0. That's when I for sure start downloading the software. Um, well, that is encouraging <laughs> news. Though it's it's interesting that they announced last week. Remember they came out last week and they said our shit's ninety percent effective and I found out that they were announcing before the trial was complete and Ooh. that actually triggered a stock sale for the CEO. He made right. five point six million dollars on that sale. Oh good lord! The SEC is looking into that, though it may be totally legit because the way that they help prevent insider trading is that the the he set this in, up in August. You do this like in advance. You say okay if the stock goes over this price that triggers a sale, but he announced um, early. Right, it said it was 90%. It's actually now 95%. That sent the stock up over the trigger, and bam, sold a bunch of it. Could be fishy, could be not, ugh. could be totally norm. But I really hate these people. I mean, ugh. Yeah, big pharma CEO is making 5.6 million dollars on a stock sale. I would just like the F, the SEC to look into it. That's oh, all. please. Just look into
2: Although, it. isn't? Ugh, I can't. It brings up Lawler and all the Georgia. Just get her out of there. Get them both out of there. Yeah
0: yes please and uh and republicans boycott that election you know boycott the elections seriously stay home republicans uh we'll be right back with some breaking news on um the disposition of the house judiciary's 2019 subpoena of the underlying Mueller grand jury materials and i'm only kidding by the way everyone should vote have your voices heard stay with us we'll be right back
1: after these
0: everybody, it's AG. Today's episode of The Beans is brought to you by American Giant. It's more important than ever to support our local communities and businesses and champion the men and women and everyone else making stuff in this country. Did you know that in 1960, 95% of all clothing was made here in the USA and today it's only 3%? I think right now is the perfect time to be buying clothes that are made here. Have you ever stopped to wonder why we make all of our stuff overseas? Why does most of the stuff we buy feel disposable and cheap and we end up throwing it away? It ends up in landfills. Well, American Giant's goal is to make things better and make better Things. They have built a 100% USA based supply chain with a strong relationship to factories, workers, and communities at every step. It's not the cheapest, but it makes for a far better sweatshirt, and it's better for our people and the planet. American Giant makes clothing that's durable, not disposable, and they're reclaiming the American tradition of making high quality clothes that last. Clothes that are meant to be used more, so you need less. Their clothes are made to be worn more and kept longer. These are built to last, so they don't end up in landfills. I recently received a beautiful merino v-neck sweater in steel blue. I love it. I love the color. It's so soft, and it's stylish and very, very good quality, very comfortable. Best of all, it was manufactured here in the United States, and it supports local communities. So check out American Giant and get the best, most high-quality clothes on the market, and get 15% off your first order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at American-Giant.com. That's 15% off when you use code DAILYBEANS at American-Giant. Com. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for some news from under the radar. And today is a story from NPR. And this goes back to the kitchen days to Mueller, she wrote, right? Uh, basically, NPR is saying that the House Judiciary Committee is asking the U.S. Supreme Court to postpone arguments that were set for December 2nd in the case testing whether the committee has the right to see the underlying grand jury materials related to the Trump impeachment inquiry. Now, That's the Mueller investigation. The committee has sought the material since July 2019. It was July 27th. We were live on stage in Chicago. That's when it went down, and it went to the court after Attorney General Barr refused to provide the panel with an unredacted copy of Robert Mueller's report. Two lower courts ruled that the committee's work was related to a judicial proceeding, impeachment, and that the panel was thus entitled to have access to the unredacted report and other normally secret materials presented to the grand jury. Those materials involved both the question of Donald Trump's ties to Russia during the 2016 campaign and whether his subsequent actions as president amounted to obstruction of justice. Now, uh, previous presidents facing impeachment inquiries in modern times, including Nixon and Clinton, allowed similar grand jury materials to be turned over to the House. Quote, to our knowledge, said lawyers for the House in their briefs, no court has ever turned down a request for grand jury materials by Congress in connection with an impeachment, unquote. But the Trump administration refused, prompting the Judiciary Committee to go to court nearly a year and a half ago. And even as Trump fought the committee in the lower courts, the House impeached him last December, and the GOP-controlled Senate acquitted him in February of 2020. Meanwhile, in the courts, Trump was battling 0 for 2 with his little case here. And ultimately, after the two lower court losses, he, he appealed to SCOTUS, where the justices this past July agreed to hear the case and later scheduled the arguments for December 2nd. It's a few weeks from now. Now, however, in the aftermath of Trump's loss of the presidency, the House has filed a motion with the Supreme Court asking the justices to, quote, recalendar the arguments in the case for a time after the swearing in of a new president on January 20th and the swearing in of a new Congress before that on January 3rd. Quote, once those events occur... The newly constituted Judiciary Committee will have to decide whether it wishes to continue pursuing the grand jury materials that give rise to this case. The House, this is in the, that's from the motion that the House filed to the court. And they said postponing argument would be in the interest of the parties and may conserve judicial resources. So basically, they're saying this Congress, which expires January 3rd, isn't going to impeach him again. So it kind of makes their argument hard that they would need the underlying grand jury materials from the Mueller investigation for impeachment. So, again, that's the fancy way of saying, yes, the House could still impeach Trump and remove him permanently from office. But when oral arguments take place, the justices will almost certainly ask the lawyers for the House whether the Judiciary Committee is actually considering doing that. In previous filings, the House said it was indeed still considering another impeachment if the evidence found that the Mueller grand jury materials justified a second impeachment. In fact, the House briefs said that the new avenues of inquiry had recently arisen and that included, you know, including the Justice Department's request for leniency for Trump's longtime confidant, Roger Stone, who was convicted of witness tampering and perjury. Uh, and the Justice Department's request to dismiss its case against former Trump National Security Advisor Mike Flynn, who pleaded guilty twice in line to federal investigators. And then, of course, NPR doesn't bring this up, but we know this because we've been listening to Mueller, she wrote. The Don McGahn testimony, there was a subpoena for him to come in and talk about obstruction of justice. And that was something else that they were looking at, that the, the you know they, they wanted those Mueller grand jury materials for. And in addition, the House told the justices this year that it still wanted to see information about whether Trump had obstructed justice, a subject on which Mueller refused to take a position. And again, that's not really true. Um, (laughs) He, he, you you all know what happened. Mueller said, because you can't indict a president, we can't say that he obstructed justice because he can't face his accuser in court because he can't go to court because we can't indict him. So it would be unconstitutional for us to say he obstructed justice. Prior to the election, the notion of a continued interest in a second impeachment was plausible, but not really anymore, as I said before, because in the aftermath of the election, that would be a difficult argument to make, especially since former Vice President Joe Biden has been projected to receive more than a sufficient number of electoral college votes to win the presidency, and Trump is supposed to leave office on January 20th. Now, interestingly, the House filing in the Supreme Court Tuesday does appear to leave wiggle room in case Trump who has refused to concede, refuses to leave the White House and somehow stays. But assuming he does turn over the presidency when he's supposed to, there would appear to be little incentive for the newly constituted Judiciary Committee to continue with the impeachment-related litigation. And there is almost zero chance that Biden, once president, would want the House to continue its impeachment investigation of Trump, even if it could. Uh, This, I understand not wanting to continue the impeachment investigation, But if we are talking about a Trump crimes commission or uh, putting together some sort of a committee that would be looking at what happened um, (laughs) with all of the corruption in in the Trump administration, you would want that. You would want those uh, grand jury materials. And if you were having uh, your attorney general, not that you would, not that Joe Biden would... um, Instruct his attorney general or his Department of Justice to do this. But if they were investigating obstruction of justice, they would also want those materials and I think that they would be able to get them. Uh, The House lawyers indicated in their motion that they had given the Justice Department the opportunity to join in the motion to postpone the argument in the case and that the Trump administration had refused. Interesting. That may mean the Trump Justice Department may instead seek an outright dismissal of the case prior to Trump leaving office. But Chief Justice John Roberts will almost certainly ask the Justice Department for the administration's position in the case before he even hears that. So should the Supreme Court agree to a dismissal, it would be the second time uh, it has indirectly come to the aid of the president in this particular case. By agreeing to hear the case last July, a full year after the House Committee's request for the full Mueller report, The court all but ensured that the Mueller report would not be made public in its entirety until after the election. At the time, Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler expressed disappointment, declaring that Trump and Attorney General Barr, quote, are continuing to try to run out the clock on any and all accountability. And they've pretty much successfully done that here. Um, We've got until January 3rd what we have not very long, a few scaramuchis, and there wouldn't be time to conduct a second impeachment inquiry. Uh, Between now and then. So that argument would sort of not really stand up in court. And we've talked about this too on the show several times. What happens if he runs out the clock? Well, again, um, the subpoenas like the McGann subpoena and the Mueller Grand Jury material subpoena would expire uh, when the Congress expires. But the new Congress could refile for that if they were doing some sort of a Trump Crimes Commission investigation. And like I said, the Justice Department could also ask for those materials if they were doing a criminal investigation into something, say, like obstruction of justice for Donald Trump. Anyway, that's what's going on. They're asking for a recalendar. And I just thought it was interesting that they left a little wiggle room in case Trump didn't leave the White House. Uh, I don't see that happening, but they left that in there. And the DOJ refused to join. So we'll let you know if there's an outright dismissal uh, by the Supreme Court or, or what happens with it. You know, we'll keep following it for you. Um, Up next, we're going to talk to former federal prosecutor Harry Littman, and he's also the host of the Talking Feds pod, because I have a question about Rudy Giuliani um, telling the court that he is a lawyer in good standing with the D.C. bar when he was not. And if there will be any ramifications for that. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. Thanks for listening to The Daily Beans. This portion of the podcast is brought to you by the good people at Raycon. If you've been listening for a while, you've heard me rave about Raycon. They make the best wireless earbuds out there, and for a fraction of the cost, everyone needs a good pair of wireless earbuds, so you can easily drop a couple hundred bucks on a pair. But you don't have to. Check out Raycon. Their earbuds start at about half the price of the other premium wireless brands, and they sound just as amazing, and I actually think they sound better than the other top audio brands. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbuds, are their best earbuds yet. They have six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, really rich bass, and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise-canceling fit. I love Raycon's wireless earbuds because they're super comfortable. I don't get a headache from them. Um, And they're perfect for conference calls or binging podcasts or listening to audiobooks. I seem to constantly misplace my earbuds, but because Raycons are so affordable, I just bought a couple of pairs, so I have some backups. And Raycons are much more comfortable, like I said, than other wireless options I've tried. And they're both stylish and discreet, so there's no dangling wires and no stems to distract anyone during video calls. The sound is so clear. No wonder celebrities like Melissa Etheridge, Snoop, and Cardi B all use Raycons. Everybody can have better earbuds, so pick up a pair of Raycon wireless earbuds and see what everyone is raving about. Now is the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. You can get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash starburns. That's buyraycon.com slash starburns for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. That's buyraycon.com slash starburns. All right, everybody, welcome back. Joining me today is former federal prosecutor, good friend, and host of the Talking Feds podcast, Harry Littman. Uh, Harry, how are you? Pretty good, Allison, yourself? Oh, can I call you Allison? Should we start again? You can. Oh, all nope, right. No, we, can, we can... secret's out. Okay,
3: for Daily Beans, it's Allison. <laughs> all right. Okay. Cat,
0: Cat's out of the bag, yeah. All right. So I have a question for you. I, I spoke uh, at length yesterday course, with... Maybe your name isn't really Allison. Maybe that's like... <laughs>
3: in cahoots between us, right? That could be, could be. All right, go ahead, sorry.
0: Right, it could all just be a ruse, but but yeah. no. Uh, so yesterday I spoke at length with Andrew Laufer about Rudy Giuliani's appearance uh, at, in uh, federal court uh, and his diatribe of asinine, you know, fraud allegations. And, and uh, he was talking about things that were no longer in the complaint, that he was there to you know, defend the uh, because basically the defendants had filed a motion to dismiss and he was there to defend that dismissal. But he he there weren't there. There were he was arguing about things that weren't even in their complaint. So th- the thing that kind of struck me, though, was that we found out that his dues had lapsed in D.C. at the D.C. bar and he had asked to join the case pro hoc vice and had certified that he was a lawyer in good standing with the bar. And that turned out not to be the case. But I don't know. And so I've, I'm asking all of my lawyer friends, is this a big deal? Is this something that happens a lot? Does he just get like, is it, does he get a fix-it ticket and he catches his dues up and it's okay and they let it slide? Or is this perjury? Or like, how how does this work? Yeah. So it's a
3: medium deal. If he asserts that, oops, I just didn't know, he probably does skate on this part. But, uh, you know, a few things. First, he also said he asserted that he had had, you know, trial and work in the in the courts in his application within the last, I think he said, four years. And it turned out to be more like 15. Um, and then the, the bigger point is any lawyer in good standing has a duty of candor to the court and even has a general duty not to be making uh, false uh, statements to the public, so he's a walking uh, case for revocation of license, less because of this, um, you know, uh, imperfection which you note, and more because he's just, uh, you know, tells lie after lie to the to the courts. Now, yesterday, I actually spoke with. I'm pretty friendly with Mark Aronchick, who is was his adversary here and did an expert job of kind of. Delaying him in front of the court, he could have he could have hit him with blunt instruments instead. I think he was much more adroit. <laughs> but you know, Giuliani, as you say, was painfully ignorant or unprepared. Didn't know the literally the first question that anybody in a court has to know, which is what's the standard of review. Didn't even know what it meant, and completely misrepresented the causes of action they were having and not in a not in a sort of immaterial way. He was trying to slide in the sort of um allegation that might possibly be pivotal in Pennsylvania because of and to do that it would have to encompass, you know, sixty thousand votes, et cetera. Now the the allegation he was making was both A, meritless under the law and B completely fall and bankrupt under the facts. But the bigger point is, see, they weren't making it anymore.
0: Right. They pulled it out of their they had pulled it out of their amended complaint.
3: Right. Exactly. And he and he stammered, well, uh, maybe we'll do a third amended complaint uh, and, and we'll put it back in your honor. But I mean, he was truly an embarrassment. Uh, now, you don't get your license suspended for being an embarrassment, but you do get it if you're not candid, to the court. Now somebody would have to bring it up, and I don't know if anybody will do that. I don't know if I was kind of surprised he would even care about his license anymore. He's been he's been known to be, you know, losing it as a lawyer for many uh years and and I think his people who are close to him have thought that his, you know, really kind of outrageous performance on behalf of Trump in the last year or so is part um chutzpah, but also part kind of uh, you know soft-headedness. But anyway, the short answer to your question. I always talk too long AG when I no, when I no. talk with you, but the short answer to your question is being wrong about in good standing in DC and having uh, said some false things on the ProHoc vJ application are not the main things that could get him in hot water. But he's already in hot water. There's a lot of things if, if a if a state bar Wanted to go after him for that they that they could. One more point, of course, should he have any felony uh, charges against him filed in New York or wherever, it would follow as a matter of course that he would lose his license to practice law.
0: Yes, and and we know he's under investigation, but uh, if there are charges. They ha- there are still either remain sealed or haven't been made yet. That's right. Now, what do you know about Judge Brand? I looked him up. Uh, he was a, a Republican guy yep. in in Pennsylvania, but he was appointed to the bench by Obama. Yep. Um. So he is just seems like a a straight shooter. But at the end of the proceedings, now I thought, here's what I thought, because it feel it felt like you know Rudy Giuliani was coming with all of these statements that had no evidentiary support. And, you know, violations of Rule 11, and Rule 12, all over the place. And then he also, you know, did this mistake with the the bar and his pro hoc VJ claims. But, you know, eh, neither here nor there. Fix it ticket. We'll, we'll call it that. But then also he seemed to be using the federal court as nothing more than a megaphone for conspiracy theories, which I know the court doesn't like. So because I remember when Concord Management hired some American lawyers. Concord Management is the Pregosian joint in Moscow under the Mueller investigation, hired some American lawyers, and they were in court trying to get in discovery um, sources and methods from the FBI going back to 1942. And the court was like, get the fuck out of here with that. Um, Don't use this court as, you know, for your your playground of BS. And so Judge Brand took a 10-minute recess, and I was like, "Uh uh-oh, he's going to come back, and he's going to tear in, right? But he didn't. He said, "All right, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. We're not going to have. Well, we won't see you tomorrow. We're going to cancel the Thursday thing. You have till tomorrow at five to turn in uh, your shit." And uh, and then he went which on, were, and- which,
3: which uh, Rudy didn't even know what it was. He thought it was a new complaint. <laughs> it's actually the response to the motion dismissed. Yeah. But sorry. Yep. He didn't ahead.
0: know. He I, I was following, and Rudy yeah. was like, "What do you need?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, seriously." <laughs> yeah. Um and. And then he he went on. He's like, all right, you dismissed the court reporter, but he's like, we're not off the record. People on the line can listen. And then he went on and talked about local restaurants and places to grab right. food if they were going to stay right. over stay right. the night. Right, right. right. And, he, and right. they were sort of laughing at the end. And I was like, hmm, what what's that about? What is your read on that? Yeah. So first, what do I know about him?
3: I've I've actually gone to school a little bit on him. He's a he's a fair to middling judge uh, and, uh, you know, cer- certainly kind of hears people out. He let Giuliani go on for an hour, as you say. There will be the other members of the court who, when that time came, would have, in legal parlance, you know, torn him in a few new ones. But he's, he's a, you know, a judge sort of known for his patience and for letting things, you know, slide off him. And And given the way he decided to play it, um, and just order the most the um, papers on the motion to dismiss at the end of the day-to-day. My best anticipation is he will not, you know, be fire and brimstone, but he'll just throw it out of court quickly. The number one reason being they haven't alleged anything that couldn't matter at all, which is true around the country. And when that happens in an election setting, you dismiss the case. It's moot. So my best guess is that that will happen and there'll be no particular tirade um, against Giuliani. It's hard to say. But anyway, so this this judge is neither a he you know, he's not it's not an issue of partisanship, but an issue more of temperament. Uh, He's just it would be unusual for him. Of course, Giuliani's performance was quite unusual, but it would be unusual for him to, you know, make a big deal about. uh, the the obvious, um, in, you know, in fact, their um, elections that that happened in his court.
0: Right. And yeah, so he's not going to go Sullivan on him. We I don't know, just because Giuliani was
3: so out there and Iron Check was very effective with it. And then right in the middle, yep. the Supreme Court, Pennsylvania Supreme Court, came in pulling out the rug from the only kind of claim out there, although it wasn't in the federal court anymore. You could see it. You you could see his really, you know, slapping him around lightly or heavily when he adjudicates the motion to dismiss. But he's in general, he's not the kind of judge that litigants, you know, quake in their boots to be in front of.
0: Well, that's the reading that I got from it, too. I, I The yeah. way that I am guessing it's going to go is that they're going to go, all right, you know what? The other guy pretty much tore him the asshole that he needed yeah. to have torn. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was imagining tomorrow, maybe— we would get a one or two sentence order from the court uh, granting the defendant's motion to dismiss the case. At the end, uh, it is so ordered and that would kind of be the end of it. That's sort of the feeling I'm getting out of this.
3: Yeah, well, and we'll see if they keep wanting to appeal. You know, it's like, given given that there's no even cause of action in the case that can help them anymore, you know, we'll see what they do. The whole thing is quixotic, there's no legal avenue for them to, to make any headway, and none of it has anything to do with the certifications they want to stop. There's some vague notion that they think they can somehow stall things past the important December 8th date, but even that is very muddled because, you know, th- there's nothing about this that that holds up the certification. It could happen to tomorrow you know they would need a judge to enter an order so will they keep trudging ahead will they try something new rumor on the street is they may be actually trying to have some omnibus you know suit against many states that at once you know it it it's all completely quixotic and the point you made about you know the pr stuff there this exists in two places in the pr world where trump and giuliani and now lindsey graham say bizarre stuff but then in court where Trump increasingly can't even get lawyers to work for him, but when they do, you know they have professional obligations and can't just get up and lie and call it massive fraud when they don't have anything. So again and again, they're pulled, called to the carpet. They disavow the things that they're, that Giuliani and Trump are saying in the PR world. Uh, But and then, uh, you know, they Trump and Giuliani double down, but it's it's unrelated to their their actual litigation, which is itself unrelated to trying to stop the certification. So it doesn't seem like anybody's driving the car and and maybe (laughs) there's the vaguest sense of kind of getting to the eighth. But people haven't thought it through. I you know, you maybe know that they it seems like maybe. Do you know who Jenna Ellis is? Who touted mm-hmm. Giuliani? You know, if she's the, the the chief strategist here, then you know he's he's it's it's no surprise that he's one in twenty six. So you know it, it's I, it, they just seem to be lurching from one court to another without even a a failed strategy. It's just a non-strategy. Mm.
0: It is. It's a, it's a non-strategy. Uh, agreed, um, and you know we'll see what happens. Then we, yep. of course, we have the looming potential government shutdown, and then you know, then what happens with the GSA and the electors who are set to meet two days later? Uh, how is that mm-hmm. impacted?
3: Yeah, and you know the virus seems to be <laughs> rising a little bit. To, to the whole government is either ignoring it or they're firing anybody who you know. It's a, it's we we knew that this period would be prob- problematic. Paper shredding and that kind of thing, but the abject lack of government and the failure to, you know, let let Biden try to start taking steps, you know, it's measured in human lives. It's it's pretty reprehensible.
0: Yeah, agreed. And I and I thank you for um, giving me the long and short of it today.
3: Always a pleasure, think.
0: Uh, I appreciate that. Everybody, definitely, definitely, if you have not yet, and I'm sure you have, you must check out the Talking Feds pod. It's You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Former federal prosecutor and good friend of mine, Harry Littman, thanks again for joining us.
3: Thank you, A.G. Good to be here. Bye.
0: Everybody, stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody. It's A.G. for The Daily Beans. This segment of the podcast is brought to you by Echelon, which provides connected fitness at an affordable price. Being stuck at home a lot, sometimes I feel too sedentary. And, you know, my gym membership, my gym's closed. And I don't like not being active. And I crave that rush of endorphins from exercise and just that amazing feeling of finishing a workout. There's really not a lot like that feeling. And Echelon prides itself on being able to help you achieve your fitness goals. Their service is amazing. One Echelon membership lets up to five household family members enjoy all the benefits. I love the huge variety of equipment and programs they offer. They have connected bikes that give you an immersive studio experience so it feels like you're in spin class. They have smart rowers that take you down the best waterways in the world and the Reflect Smart Mirrors for personal training at the touch of a button. And there's just one app to connect them all. Echelon United provides access to all content throughout Echelon's products. They have thousands of on-demand classes available with 30-plus accredited world-class trainers, and they have guest and celebrity instructors, too. We can work out with the Echelon community and inspire each other to climb the leaderboards. A little good competition. And Echelon has been featured in Women's Health Cosmopolitan Time People, the Wall Street Journal, they say Echelon has cracked the code. Yahoo Finance says Echelon where fitness and technology unite at a price you can afford. So if you want to turn things around and get in the best shape of your life, check them out at echelonfit.com today. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll- All right, it is the Thursday good news edition of awesomeness. I'm so glad we're here. Um, Sorry, for I was so mad at Emily in the first oh, block. Oh, I know.
2: I, I mean, it just I can't. I I don't, I, I, my my rage actually with a lot of things in this country right now is reaching a tipping point, so I'm really glad we've got some good news stories and confessions because I need to take a breath and just kind of namaste my shit back into center. Hmm.
0: Now I must stay my shit back into center. Awesome. I'm gonna. Can we put that on a bumper sticker? Okay. I like it. All right. So I'm gonna kick us off, uh, and the second one's pretty short. So I'm just gonna read the first two. You got it. And uh, let's see. We've got the first one is from Laura. Pronoun she and her. I have good news straight from my cervix, coming at you live from the cervix. Some cells came back as the medical technical term of up to no good. So I had. I know the medical technical term for that. I believe it's squamous. Uh, So I had a procedure to cut off the top portion of my cervical cells to get rid of any of those fuckers. I had that, too. It's called a coposcopy to find it. And then you do this leap procedure. Really super fun times. Uh, Anyway, Laura says it was my first time under general anesthesia. I'm still a bit loopy right now uh, typing this from home. They said it went well and that my joke was a hit. (laughs) see the photo oh my god here's to a here's to a cancer-free rest of my life uh i'm adding a bonus pod pet photographic evidence of the first real detente with all four sleeping on the bed at the same time love to ag and dg total badasses thank you for everything here's the cats first of all lovely (laughs) in a rhombus shape that's wonderful now here's the joke she went in to get Tip of the cervix removed, right? That sounds like a a, a greeting in Ireland. Tip of the cervix to you. Um, And she wrote in magic marker on her right thigh, not this leg. Which is
2: just (laughs) hilarious. I love people with a sense of humor even when they're going into the hospital.
0: (laughs) She's half lucky she didn't come out of there with the other leg removed somehow.
2: Oh, my God. Could you imagine?
0: Um and also badass caftan if that indeed is what that is. Um, thank you for that and I'm so happy. Congratulations on being cancer free. Uh, I know that that's a rough one to go through. So, yeah, my heart's with you. Congrats. Not this leg. Oh my god.
2: When you when you said badass caftan, the my my brain went. Huh? ag what are you talking about that calf is white as shit that is a i, I mean bless her heart laura it is a nice leg but it needs a little vitamin d so when you said calf tan i was like there's no tan on that calf
0: not that leg dana yeah. oh
2: got it okay that calf tan cool 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 all right
0: yeah. oh and then uh, this short one really quick here from betsy Pronoun she and her hi i keep kosher it's all about what we ingest, not what we say or name our animals. I saw Mr. Hammy McBaconfat's picture in the newsletter. He could visit and even live in my kosher home. Well there you go. Thank you, Betsy. We know. <laughs> we know. Uh I just think I think Betsy just wanted to let us know that she would welcome uh Mr. Hammy McBacon Fat yes. into her home her kosher home with open arms, as would I. But I don't even have a kosher home, but totally. Thank you for that. Yes,
2: Uh, we've got more good news. This is coming from John Pronouncing Him. People in my neighborhood aren't unfriendly, but we tend to keep to ourselves. Prior to the election being called on November 7th, I've never even met some of the people on my block, but within moments of the news breaking, the entire block suddenly erupted in an impromptu, properly socially distanced champagne guzzling party. Now we're all great. I love this. Now we're all great friends as well as neighbors, and that's pretty awesome. All it took to finally bring our neighborhood together was defeating Donald Trump. For my good news tags, I'm including a photo of Pepper, uh, mostly Labrador mutt, taken November 7 when he when we dressed him to join the celebration and of course he's a rescue, this pup's face.
0: (gasps) Look at Pepper Puppy. Oh no. I like how you dressed him for the celebration and it's this little red, white, and blue stars and stripes bandana. That's so adorable. You're like, oh wait, there's a champagne celebration outside. Stop. We must get Pepper's scarf. Here we go. I love you guys.
2: It's amazing. Oh my god, goodness.
0: all right our last submission from Bob, Angry Duck, and the Android Sisters. <clears throat> Hi there. I've been listening to Muller, she wrote in the Daily Beans, for a long time now. I finally felt guilty enough and signed up with Patreon earlier today. Thank you, Bob Angry Duck. I've learned so much and I've gotten a lot of laughs, so thanks to all. In hopes of returning a few laughs, I've attached a title song, Wishing President Tiny Hands a Fond Farewell. The singers are software generated amazing what can be done these days and they sing farewell in old style three-part harmony so i call it the android sisters hope you enjoy and thanks again for the show let's hear a little clip that's freaky right the android sisters that you could do that like right? with...
2: people are so creative yes
0: also very cool yes
2: yes it's, it's mind-blowing sometimes
0: i know i love all the stuff that we get we appreciate it
2: got through it indeed
0: thank you for sending your good news and please we need more we pile it on pile on the good news uh, between now and January 20th, of course, and beyond, but just pile it on between now and then, please. Send it to, uh, you can do either a correction or good news, personal or political, or um, any confessions, just send them to, go to com. click on contact, and uh, that's how you send that to us, and we will read on the air. And of course, you know, if you want to remain anonymous, let us know uh don't put it at the end of the email so many times that's happened dana before you got here before we put our little uh, regulations in place uh, I, i'd get through an entire email and they'd be like don't read this on the air thanks i'd be like oh god damn it <laughs> so <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you um uh, and uh, i do appreciate you sending them all in especially the pod pet pictures these are just so adorable pepper oh, yeah. oh. Anyway, any final thoughts before we get out of here?
2: No, just take, you know, I know you repeat this. It's so hard because I know it's your line, but uh, no final thoughts. I just one day at a time and hopefully um, the chips keep falling where they might. And hopefully the cards of this really, really unsafe structural house keep falling next to him because what a mess. I just want him out. I want him gone.
0: Yep. Hold on. We got each other until then. Uh, So take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your mental health and take care of the planet. I've been A.G. And I've been D.G. And them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn, and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reader. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.